Good evening. How are you? That's good. It's good to see you all here. A big welcome if you're visiting. Uh, it's great to have you with us. We love people visiting um, and so much so we want to make sure we, we catch up with your visitors. Make sure if you see someone that you've never met, you introduce yourself to them. Speaking of which, my name's Matt, part of the team here. We, as Robbie said, are in the midst of uh, a series where we've been looking at our church values and purposes. We refer to them as both values and purposes because as purposes they guide us, but they are also our values, so they undergird, they're the motivation for everything that we do as well. And there are three, uh, there are three of those that we've uh, identified. Pursue God, build community, grow people. And tonight, I wanna speak a little bit about that second one. I'm not gonna say everything there is to say about that second value, build community, but I do wanna focus on a very important element of the character of what we're actually trying to build. And I wanna begin by reading uh, a scripture uh, from Ephesians chapter two that actually explains or fills out this idea of what kind of community are we actually building together? What are we actually a part of here? What, is, what are we even doing here? Uh, it's good to be reminded of that because it's actually pretty amazing what we are part of here. Ephesians chapter two from verse 19 says this, and uh, this is from a fairly literal translation, the ESV, it says this. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. My journey with church and my relationship with church from the moment I became a Christian in my late teens has been really the core aspect of my growth in faith, the, poor, the core aspect really of my Christian life. I realised straight away when I became a Christian that I was being called into a life of purpose. And I was filled with a sense that life isn't just about me and, and my ambitions and so forth, but actually that God is doing something and I've got to be a part of that. And I knew, and I didn't really know much, just, in fact, I knew nothing to start. But I had this sense that this was gonna be worked out as part of this thing called the church. I remember my, my first experience of the church as a, as a late teenager was actually before I had really made any kind of Christian commitment. My mum had become a Christian and I've, I've mentioned this before but I, because I, I will never forget this moment when she had become a Christian. I was a bit perplexed by that. Why would you do a silly thing like that? And she said, why don't you come along to my small group? She was part of a small group. And by this stage, I'd, I had gone from being fairly anti uh, the whole thing, and I was pretty hardcore anti uh, the whole thing. I just felt like I was way too smart for that kind of nonsense. A whole lot of things happened that 
that actually really shook my confidence in, in that and actually opened me to this sense that actually maybe there's an aspect of reality that includes God that I actually need to be open to. And I remember going to this small group and I'll never forget sitting in that room with a group of people. I, have, I cannot remember what they were talking about. I think they were talking about the Bible. Um, but just being in that space, there was something about the joy and the peace that I felt being in that room with these people who were talking about God and Jesus and all these things I really didn't understand. But I knew that, there's, that, that this, is, this was the home for my soul in some sense, right? It was just this deep, deep sense of, attr- of, of attraction to that, to something that was going on uh, in that context. Well, uh, I did become a Christian eventually, just in case um, you were wondering. Uh, I did eventually <laughs> commit my life to Jesus. And, and I became part of a church. We're living down, uh, down in Geelong at this stage. And, um, and as, a, as a sort of 19, 20-year-old, uh, I was a musician. And as a musician, uh, it immediately gave me something actually to bring uh, something that I felt like I could actually contribute uh, to the church. And back in the sort of late 80s and the early 90s, that was actually when churches were starting, to, and I know this sounds weird, but only really churches were just starting to use bands back then. And, um, and so I felt like, well, I've got something to contribute. And that was really, really good for me, actually. It was really, really good for me because... In a sense, from the very beginning, church was never something that I just went to. Because again, remember, I had this deep sense of purpose, right? My life has got to have some purpose. And I, and I just felt like I need, to, I need to work this out in some way. And because I had this particular skill, I thought, oh, okay, I'll just bring that, right? I can do that. I'll contribute that. And it immediately gave me this sense, I grew into this sense that church is all about bringing something. In fact, worship, worshipping together, the primary aspect of our worship together isn't actually the singing of songs as important as that is. It's actually what we bring. We bring something of ourselves and we contribute it to the thing that God is doing, which is, as Jesus said, I will build my church, which is the very thing we just read about here. And so right from the start, and this was really good to recognise this, I had this experience of church being about contributing. It's all about bringing something. And it just so happened that, that you know, music was that thing that, that I brought. And, you know, it's interesting that when I, when I contributed something the thing that I contributed, it's amazing how God expanded, not only that, but other aspects of, of my life. You see, in, you know, around the age of 20, 21, I actually thought, you know, I thought pretty much music is kind of the only thing I can really offer to the world. I had no, there was no sense that there was anything else. Um, and so, well, that's pretty much all I've got, so I'll contribute that. But when you offer one thing to God, it's amazing how God draws out the rest, right? Give Him something, bring something, and God will draw out the rest. And just from that act of saying, I'm going to, as an act of worship, 
and participation in God's purpose. I'm gonna bring something. And this is such a, a beautiful aspect of church. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you know, Paul talks about everyone has different gifts and capacities and things that we need to bring all together, right? It's an, it itself is an act of worship. It's church is not about just one person, you know, one person. It's not oriented around one person's gift. That actually isn't church. If a church is oriented around one or a few people's gifts, what do you get? You just get a personality cult or something like that, but not a church. And I was so glad that right at the start, I had this initial experience of really discovering what a church, what church is really all about. I'm very thankful for that because I understood from the very start that this is the main game. This is where uh, this, and, and it's, you know, and of course I did lots of things, ended up doing lots of things all over the place, but I understood that the church was the primary, primary thing that God is using to impact the world. And so that was, my, that was my sort of earliest sense, my earliest sort of burst of growth, of self-discovery, of growth in faith, and my understanding of church. But then there was another stage. I gradually started to realise that as important as that is, and not in any way taking away it's from this, it is totally true that God said, God wants us to bring something, right? Essential to worship is like, what are you contributing to, to church life? Now, I thought about that on the level of skill, actually, but what I realised after a while is actually the biggest impact that I was having was not through the use of my skills, but simply my very presence in amongst God's people. It was actually my relationships. It was the people that I was getting alongside and, and the people that, you know, the relationships that I was making and those moments when, you know, I sat down and talked with someone and prayed together with someone. And that wasn't so much about skill. It was just about presence. It was about just me being there. And it expanded my sense of what the church is actually. And how God works through me, that it's not just my skills, that actually there's a certain kind of presence that I bring, that that desire that I had to live out God's purpose and, and to be available to God, when I brought that in to the corporate context, I became one of the elements, the way that I've illustrated it before in the past is it's like a heating element in a room. When you turn on a heater, the heater heats up and it changes the atmosphere in the room. And I realised that actually God calls us not only to bring our skills, but also to bring our very selves and by our very presence. Like it's so important that you're here. It's important, first of all, because... Gathering together in Jesus' name says something. It's a demonstration of value. You, and I've said this a million times, but I'll keep banging on about it. Just getting in the car and driving here when there could be a whole lot of other things that you would, that you would sit there. It's not about how good the music is or how good the speakers. That's, that's almost beside the point, the very fact that you make a gesture to gather in Jesus' name. 
Your very presence already is a gesture that declares something, not only to God, but most importantly, to the people around you. If someone came to explore the Christian faith and they walked in here and for some reason no one bothered to come, what would that say? What would that say about this value? So even just your very presence, but actually that's only the initial thing. It's actually what each of us bring by our very personal presence into this context. So first, there was a sense of bringing my gifts and my skills and seeing what God drew out of me because I discovered all sorts of other things about myself. As I gave God something, he drew out other things, right? And even, even my music went to places I never dreamed that it would go, actually, because I brought it to the altar of God. That was the first thing. The second thing was me realising that even more important than my skill was bringing myself, my presence, and connecting with people and just loving people. But there is something that is actually, that I can bring, that actually is way more important than those two things. As important as they are, and they really are important. And I think I'm realizing now this more than ever, actually, and it's shaping, it's shaping my whole engagement with church. See, I can easily think, well, if I'm skilled enough, right, if my skill is good, you know, then, then that's, that's actually, you know, that's what's really going to push things forward. Or, or if my, you know, if my presence and if, if I can bring a certain kind of presence to then, then, then maybe, you know, uh, and catch up with enough people, and, and which, which I'm really bad at anyway. And, you know, like, I mean, you maybe, like, if I do those things, and, and, I, and I am passionate about bringing my skills in, but actually what I've realised is, is that there's something that I bring that's way, way more important than that. And do you know what it is? I have learned lately that the most important thing that I can bring is my emptiness and my need and I want to explain to you what I, why I would say such a strange thing I've been talking a lot about us recognising God's presence and I've talked about how God's presence is not something that's here or there or now and then that we are all immersed in God's presence all the time. And, and, and in fact, I've described God's presence as being a little bit like air, like the, a little bit like the air that we breathe. It's present all the time. But you know, there's something about air that we need to recognise. Yes, air is present all the time, but air also moves, in case you didn't notice. Air also moves. And it's also the case with the presence of God that God is present everywhere, but there are certain situations that within which God moves, right? 
that God moves in those certain situations. Now, often people, and by the way, when we talk about air moving, when air moves, it, that's how it carries the weather, right? Carries the weather with us. You know, people say, oh, if, if I asked you, you know, what's, what's the weather going to be like this week? And it really annoys me when people say, I mean, feel free to say this, but it annoys me when people say, oh, it's going to be really nice weather this week. I got tanks that are getting empty. Like my kids just have like, you know, three hour showers. They empty the tanks. Like we're all going to die of thirst in a household. Like I need some rain. Like don't tell, you tell a farmer who's going through drought, oh, hey, the next week is going to be really nice weather. No, nice weather means that it's going to rain. <laughs> It's like, you know, we look at the, I look at the, uh, you know, the, those weather charts, right? And I see, you know, like high pressure system. Oh, great. More nice weather. That's fantastic, right? I don't want nice weather. What I want is, you know, I want some, I want some heavy weather. I want some rain here, right? Because, and it's interesting in the Bible, because it's an agrarian society in which, you were dependent on the seasonal rains, right? You were dependent on the seasonal storms, right? That would blow in and bring the rains. And if the, if the rains didn't come, people, you know, faced desperate famine, right? And so there's this association uh, with the word wind in Hebrew is ruach and in, uh, in Greek it's, it's pneuma and those words actually mean wind. But they also mean the spirit. And it's interesting that the other metaphor that's used for the Spirit, and there's a few uh, in Scripture, but one of the other main ones is water, is moisture. Water and wind are these two symbols for the Holy Spirit. There's a reason why I'm, I'm, using, this, uh, I'm using this metaphor you see, there are landscapes in the world where the weather never really gets to. Uh, big desert areas, like in central Australia, like the Gibson Desert, for example. Gibson Desert is what it is, just, just you know, hundreds of kilometres of just sandy nothingness, right? Absolutely lifeless. It is what it is because that geography just does not draw the weather. It doesn't draw the weather. But there are other parts of the world that have the effect of drawing the weather, right? And in the very same way, there's a kind of spiritual geography, right, that actually draws the Spirit of God. God is present everywhere, right? But there are certain spiritual landscapes that actually draw the, pre the movement of God's Spirit. And we see this actually in throughout the Gospels, when Jesus was walking around doing his things, there were certain situations that Jesus always moved towards or went out of his way to go into. You see, here's the thing. Our, and just to explain why I'm talking about this, our value says we 
we draw and connect people into Christ Church, which is that what we, we want people to be connected into Christ Church. But there's terminology around churches um, that's been bandied around a bit and a bit sort of uh, critically, probably justifiably, when people talk about, you know, being attractional as churches. There's an element of validity to that. You know, we want to be attractive as a church, right? And, and uh, but often the, what, what that often means to people is that, you know, we're attractive when we do things really well, right? If the music's good enough and if the preaching's good enough and if the cafe's really good and if all the programs are great and if we're really kicking goals, right, then we'll attract people, right? And all, all of that's like we want to do all of those things well. Of course we want to do things well because we want to give God our best. But in a way, what I feel very strongly about is that we don't want to actually build a church primarily that attracts people. We want to build a church that attracts God. And God calls people. And I know that sounds a little funny. It might sound a bit theologically clumsy to talk about, you know, the church attracting God. But when we look actually at the Gospels, and the life of Jesus, who is the embodiment of the presence of God, we see certain situations that Jesus is actually attracted to, that he goes out of his way to connect with. And it's not the people who are the best at this and the best at that, and wow, I'm, you know. It's amazing to see where the power of God's Spirit actually was at work in the time of Jesus, where we see Jesus moving towards. In uh, Luke chapters 18 and 19, there's a sequence of stories that it's actually amazing, the sequence of this story in the way that it actually exhibits this, right? So it begins with the story of uh, a poor widow who, who needs, some, needs justice from a judge, right? She's a poor widow and she, she goes to the judge and she keeps banging on the door. This is Luke chapter 18. And she bangs on the door and she bangs on the door because she's got nowhere else to go. She's absolutely desperate. And Jesus is pointing to that. He's pointing to her desperation and to her, her perseverance. And then he goes from that and he tells a story, the story that I told you last week about the Pharisee and the tax collector about the Pharisee, this religious man that stands up and basically says, you know, Lord, I've just got so much to offer you. I've got so much to offer. But the tax collector, who is this tax collectors, were as corrupt. They were the real corrupt. I talked about this last week. They were the corrupt officials of their time who robbed people and left. I mean, honestly, they did so much damage. That was pretty much as the baddest person that you could think of in the first century would be a tax collector, right? So, and then there was this tax that just beat his chest and he said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I choose that guy. I go to that guy. And then you look at the sequence of these stories, right? And then Jesus has this encounter with all these little children uh, that come to him and the disciples are a bit annoyed, these little children, what have they got to do with anything? And Jesus says, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And then he explains to his disciples, the se- again, remember the sequence is important. He explains to his disciples, oh guys, I'm gonna be mocked and beaten and this and, and, and and they're just incredulous. They're, no, this is not how it's going to work because we need to attract people to our movement. 
And people aren't gonna be attracted to our movement if you are humiliated. And then there's this story, I mean, there's a story of a rich young ruler in there as well that rocks up and again, he's one of these guys that says, Jesus, I've just got so much to offer you. I can be part of your movement. You know, I'm rich, I'm righteous. I'm like, here I am. Here I am. Look what I... Jesus actually effectively sends him away. And then Jesus is walking through Jericho and all of these crowds gather and everyone's trying to get a look at Jesus, right? Everyone's trying to, you know, reach out and connect and this, this you know this famous prophet that's come to town. And, and in the midst of the crowd, there's this short guy, he's a tax collector and his name is Zacchaeus. You probably know the story, right? And he doesn't want to get too close because he's, you know, he's, a, he's actually an arch, arch tax collector. He's like the, the boss of them all. He's the worst of the worst, right? So he, he goes to the back of the crowd, he climbs a tree, right? And he's just keeping his distance up the tree, you know, and Jesus goes out of his way. And this is what he says in Luke chapter 19, verse five. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. I must stay at your house today. Oh, that Jesus would say that about One Hope Church, about this house, about this household. Oh, I must stay at this household. I must stay at your house You know how low pressure systems work? Let me explain it to you because I looked it up on YouTube and I'm gonna do my best, my apologies to meteorologists, uh, all the meteorologists in the room, but this is my attempt to explain to you how the weather works. Low pressure systems, uh, they draw the weather because it's like this vacuum effect, right? Because you've got like high pressure air in one area. I told you this is gonna be pretty rough, right? You've got high pressure air and low pressure systems are in a way, they're like this patch of like emptiness, right? In, in, in relative terms, you know, because air pressure, you can have high air pressure or low air pressure. And wherever there's low pressure and high pressure, the high pressure will always blow into the low pressure area. Like, it's like a vacuum forms. This is why, this is why the weather blows into, this, this is where the wind blows. I mean, Jesus says in John uh, chapter three, you know, the wind blows, and he's talking about the spirit of God using this idea of wind. He said, the wind blows wherever it wills. You know, we, we, we don't know where it comes from or, 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 or where it's going, but, uh, but so it is everyone born of God. But in what happens actually in the rest of the gospel is that you kind of do see 
kind of where the wind tends to blow, not specifically, but you realize, oh, actually we kind of know where the wind blows. In the same way, we know that the wind always blows into low pressure systems. It's like a vacuum. And when there is this vacuum, this space, this empty space, what happens is, is that the wind rushes into that space, right? It rushes into that space. That is why the most important thing that I can bring is not my skill. Don't get me wrong, God wants us to bring our skills and our abilities as an act of worship. It's not even me just coming and being present and getting alongside people. And that is so important too, like really, really important, okay? But you see, the problem is a lot of people feel like, oh, I've got nothing, right? I've got nothing. I, I speak to people even that feel like, you know, they've failed so dismally, they can't even walk through the door because they feel like such a failure. I just, just can't do this. Remember, you know, as I said last week, it's, it's those who are saying, I just can't. But I've realised the most important thing that I can actually bring the most important spiritual dynamic, actually, that I can bring and join with other people is not my ability or my personal, pre- it's actually my need and my emptiness. Because it is our need, it is our emptiness when we get together and we, we create this, this open space, like this, it's like a, a cavity of need. The wind rushes into that space. The wind rushes into that space. Like we could be, we could be fixated on, you know, just trying to do this the best and do that. And as I've said, we want to, we want to do things well, but that's not the thing. That may attract people, but if you want to attract God, then bring your need. You may not feel individually, you may not feel that your life really has much success to it. But if you have need, if you will hollow out that, that space, because what we, you know, I mean, what we do in our lives is that, you know, we have this, this need, we feel this cavity, and we just fill it with stuff, right? We just, we just fill it with all sorts of stuff. But what God wants us to come with is this open, empty space for him to fill. And that is the most powerful thing. That is, that is my heart's desire for this church as I've really thought about this and prayed about this. You know, I want us to do things well and people connecting and like all of those things, they're so important, right? They're so important, but there's one thing that's just beyond all of that. We need to create a place of need and desperation that says, 
God, have mercy on us. A heart that cries out. And if you can bring that, then you have the most important thing. You have the most important thing that you could bring. I want you to stand with me. Because I want us to make a gesture in response tonight. Whatever your need is right now, whatever your need is, what's that impossible situation that you have going on uh, in your life? What's that, what's that failure that you have? And I talked a bit about this uh, last week. You know, that sense of, I just can't. Like, I just can't. What is, what is that emptiness? What is the thing you've longed for and it's just not happening or it's just like... That need that you have, that is like a, that is like a, it's like a, a building block, a sacred building block that we put those things together and that's how we build a temple of God. That's how we build a temple of God. By bringing our need by bringing our desperation, our emptiness. As Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed is the church that hungers and thirsts for righteousness. It's good to try and do things right. We wanna try and do things right. But blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Say, Lord, this, is, this thing in my life, it's just not right and I hunger and thirst for you to make it right. And, and you bring that hunger and thirst and you keep bringing it week after week because it's the most valuable thing. You bring it into the house of God because God rushes, the Spirit of God rushes into the emptiness. He's gonna rush into the emptiness. God is poised to rush into empty space like a rushing wind that moves into that low pressure system. So as we, as we close, we're just gonna cry out to God with whatever your need is. We're gonna pray, Lord, please come and fill this space. Bring your need, your need. Your need is a treasure. And maybe while we're seeing this song, you know, you want to make a physical gesture. Maybe it's something that, you know, if you, you want to come forward and just, you know, stand forward and come and stand up the front and just bring it like really physically, physical gesture to bring that need. Lord, I need breakthrough here. I need your spirit to rush into this space, God. How desperate are you? And of course, we want to have the opportunity to, to pray with you and to stand with you with that. Let's bring our need here and ask God to rush in.